Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here this morning. Would you pray with me before we start our message this morning? Lord, I pray that these are your words. I pray that I'm accurate to who you are, God. I pray that you prepare our hearts to hear your truth, that we are truly changed by your word because we know your word has power to do that. So God, I pray that everyone that you brought here, God, no one's here by accident, they are able to hear what it is you're speaking to them this morning, and they allow it to penetrate deep into their hearts, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we're starting a new series today, and, and I want to explain to you a little bit what brought this on. Is is a while ago, and it was kind of even when I first started here, I, I was given some sermons and I kept referencing um, the promises of God, that, that we need to know the promises of God and trust them and how important it is to know what God has promised to us and what that means in our life and trust it and live our life as if those promises were true. And I actually had multiple people kind of ask me, could you give me some promises that I couldn't start with to know what it is that God has promised me. And I thought, you know what? We should probably just cover this on Sunday mornings of what are some of the core promises that if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, God has given to you, that you can trust, that you can stand on, and that you can live your life based on the fact that you know these are true. Now, I'll give you a disclaimer. This is not an exhaustive list. So it's not like, okay, after this series, you're going to know every promise that God has ever made because I'm still reading the Bible and finding new promises that I never really thought of before as I read it. So hopefully what this does is give you a place to start, but also help you as you read your Bible to Learn to pick out promises as God gives them so that you can continue to add those to your life going, I know that God has promised this to me so I can live my life really believing that with everything that I have. And so that's what we are going to do. We're going to just look at what are some really good places to start if you're like, I don't really know what promises God has given me that I can stand on. We're going to give you a good start. So I mentioned... Uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about forgiveness, that I had, I probably have maybe four or five people in my life that have really hurt me. And I was like, maybe you have less, maybe you have more. But most of us have that kind of running list in our life of these people really hurt me. And if I'm not careful, I could really slide back to being bitter and having unforgiveness in my heart towards these people. And, and I told you, kind of check on that every day. Check to see where you're at with those people. And when I look back at those people that have really hurt me, there seems to be a pattern in there of why it hurt so bad. And usually it's because those are the people that in some way have attacked you. Maybe they've made up lies about you. Maybe they've taken something that you've done and put a motive on them, that's not true, right? You did something, they said, well, they did that because of this, but it's not true. They might have spread things about you to people that you really care about and kind of ruined your reputation, right? Those times when we're attacked like that, 
really hurt. They really hit deep, especially when people are spreading lies about us, spreading rumors about us, uh, getting the people that we really care about to turn on us. Most of us have experienced this in our life in one way or another, where we feel just deeply attacked on a core level. And those tend to be the people that we struggle to forgive the most because it, it is really a jarring experience to have someone that, that you once trusted or maybe even that you never trusted truly attack you in such a deep and devastating way. It's hard to know what to do with that. It's hard to know what to respond to, how to respond to that. And, and, I, and I feel pretty confident that everyone here today has had that happen to them where someone has attacked them, someone has made up rumors about them, things like that where you just feel deeply attacked at a core level. And what we tend to ask is, why did this happen, right? I think that's a very natural question to ask. Why did this happen? Why did they attack me? How do I prevent it from happening in the future? I don't want to be attacked like that anymore. And you can easily get into that route where you start to live your life just building walls up because you're just trying to not be attacked like that ever again. But the hard thing is that that's not a great question to ask because you might never know why that happened. You're not really in control of why that ever happened. That person might have had stuff going on in their life that you have no idea. They might be fighting battles with, with past people in their life that you've never even met, and somehow it got taken out on you. Or maybe that person just doesn't care, and you were just in the way of something they wanted, and you were simply a casualty. But a lot of us get stuck in this, why did this happen to me? But I want to ask a different question today, and I think this is a much better question to ask when we are attacked like that, is instead of asking, why did this happen to me, what do I do? How do I respond to being attacked? Because that's really the only thing you're in control of when you have been attacked in some sort of way, especially the deep attacks that really catch you off guard and really hurt you on a deep level. The only thing you're in control of is how do I respond to being attacked this way? And the good news is the Bible gives us the answer to that. And the good news is, is you are 100% in control of how you respond to being attacked. And that's, I'm going to give you some bad news. You're going to be attacked in this life. People are going to hurt you. And if it hasn't happened yet, like I said, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but it probably is going to happen pretty soon even. That is part of life. So what do you do when you are attacked? I'm going to bring you to Exodus chapter 14. Steve actually read it this morning. He, he, uh, I could say that he ruined part of my scripture, but I love it because that means we're all on the same page. And that's really exciting to see and hear. But here's what's going on. The Israelites had been slaves to the Egyptians for a really, really long time. They had been slaves to the Egyptians, and God saved them from the Egyptians. Most of you guys know that's where the ten plagues came from. And finally, Pharaoh let the Israelites go, and they're escaping. But then what happens is that God changed the heart of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh started to chase the Israelites down, 
after he let them go. Now, you have to understand the Egyptians were so much stronger than the Israelites. They had so much better weapons. Like, they, this was not even a close fight. And so here you have this scene where Moses is leading the Israelites and the Egyptians are coming and they're, they're catching up to them. And this is Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 18. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Most of you guys know how that story ends. Moses splits the Red Sea, an impossible miracle, and the Israelites go through on dry ground. The Egyptians try to follow them, but all their chariots and horses get stuck in the mud. And it's just then that the waters come back down, killing all of the Egyptians, and God gained glory through that. But that's not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is the promise that God gives that we need to trust in our lives today. And this is the promise. I will fight for you. That's the promise for today that we all need to trust and believe in our life if we are Christians. We need to believe that when we are attacked, God will fight for us. We need to believe that. Because here's what I pull out of this scripture is God actually says, I'm going to get it right. I brought Pharaoh. I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army. Did you know that sometimes God will allow you to be attacked so that he can fight for you and not only protect you and deliver you, but gain glory for himself through the defeat of the one that is attacking you. Now, that's not how we want God to do it. We want God to just protect us, let us live in a nice little bubble where we never get uncomfortable. And that's not the story we see here. God's like, yeah, I brought Pharaoh right here. I'm the one that's letting this happen because watch what happens when I fight for you. When you believe in this promise that no matter what the attack looks like, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how devastating it is, no, no matter how much I want to defend myself and get even and show them how much they hurt me and all of those things, when we believe the promise that God will fight for us, our life changes. God is telling Moses, don't try to fight. You're going to lose. If the Israelites had turned around 
and tried to fight the Egyptians, they would have lost. They would have been destroyed. That was not the way out of the attack. The way out of the attack was trusting God and allowing God to fight. So God gives them one instruction. And and you're going to see this pattern in Scripture when you see a miracle. And when you read your Bible, look for this when there's a miracle. God, in in giving instructions, basically says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this miraculous thing, but here's something for you to do. There's always some form of obedience or instruction given, but it's never the miracle. And see, here's the problem is when we are up against it, we want to do the big thing. We want to be in control of the miracle. And God's always like, nope, I will do that. But here's your obedience. Here's your part in this. The hard part is that obedience never really seems to be important, never seems to matter, never, never makes us feel like we're really doing something. And so we tend to struggle with the obedience, right? You can even look at, at Jesus when he was healing people. There would always be some instruction like, you know, go and dip in the river seven times. It's like, why are you telling me to do that? That's not going to fix anything. But it was a form of obedience. Will you listen to me? Will you obey? Will you do the part that I'm asking you to do? And then let me do the miracle in your life. And so oftentimes we do struggle with that simple obedience that we're asked to do. And we never get to see that miracle unleashed in our life. And we can see it over and over again. Even in the Old Testament, he'll tell the Israelites, why don't you dig a ditch? And then I'm going to do something amazing. It's like, you want me to dig a ditch? That's not going to help anything. But it's a form of obedience. We get this instruction. But the problem is, and if you're honest with yourself, this probably sounds familiar, is you try to take over God's job, and then you don't do your job. Right? Have you ever worked with that coworker that's always trying to do your job, but they're never doing their job? And it's like, why don't you worry about your own job? I, I got my stuff down. And I feel like God is so oftentimes has done that with me. It's like, Eric, I, my job, I got it. Why don't you worry about what I've asked you to do and let me do the part? And I can tell you, I've never done my part of obedience and had God drop the ball on his part. And so we have this here. God says, I will fight. Let me do that part. Here is your job. Be still. That's that's our job. Be still. Here's where it gets confusing, because what does it mean to be still? When we're being attacked, when we need someone to fight for us, when we need protection, what does it mean to be still? Because here's where it gets confusing. If you look at the next verse, After he says to be still, this is Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Well, how can I be still and move on at the same time? Doesn't that contradict itself? And this is just as a side note. I know some people, when they read the Bible, and it seems like it contradicts itself, they get really scared. Don't ever get scared press into that because usually I have found that where things get really confusing and it seems like it's contradicting itself, the more I press in, there's amazing truths that I unlock as I press into this. 
And here's where the King James Version helps us out. And, and I believe um, the version that Steve read this morning as well helps us out to understand what that be still means. In the King James Version, it says, hold your peace. What does hold your peace mean? It means to be quiet, to, to stop talking. This is actually really hard to do when you've been attacked. Have you guys ever experienced that? Someone has spread rumors about you, attacked your reputation, give, given you motives that are not true, spread things around about you, and you feel at a very core level attacked by it. How easy is it to just be quiet during that? There's something deep in us that wants to rise up and defend ourselves, to, to fight for that. But the one instruction that we get here is hold your peace, hold your tongue, remain silent. This exact word is used in Lamentations chapter 3. I'm going to read to you verses 22 through 26. It says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That, that's the exact same phrase that's, that's an instruction to his people in Exodus to wait quietly. And so when, when God says, here's your job, be still, it's not a physical position because he, he says, no, move on, keep moving. It's a, it's, a phys or it's a spiritual condition of, I will wait quietly for you to do what you've promised to do. You see, that's, the more you trust that someone has your back, the easier it is for you to remain quiet. You see, that's, that's part of what's so good about remaining quiet when you're being attacked is you actually give space for someone else to defend you. If you are always the first one to try to fight back, you give no space for anyone else to defend you. You know, I heard this once and I thought this is a great example. When you guys think of a castle in like England, like an old school castle when there were knights and all of that. What you probably have seen is that it's made out of stone and when you walk in, it's wide open. But in order to get up where the kings or the important people actually are, there's a stair set that winds and it's super narrow. Can you guys visualize that with me? And pretty much every castle was designed that way, that in order to get up to where the important people are, you had to walk this winding staircase that could only fit one person. Do you know why they did that? Is because then a few guards could defend the king for hours. Because even if you had an army, only one person at a time could attack because they could meet you in that narrow staircase and only one person. So your numbers didn't matter. So those, the king's guards could defend for hours and hope that help could come before they could get up to the king, only one at a time. And I heard someone explain that, that that's when it comes to God, either you're fighting or God's fighting, but you got to give him space if you want him to fight. And when we choose to be still, when we choose to be quiet, we give God space to do the fighting 
for us. And it's so much better. Have you guys ever had that where someone attacked you, said something about you, and you didn't really respond, but you had a friend stick up and say, no, that's not true. I, I know them. That's not, that's not accurate. You're lying. Do you know how much better that is to have someone else fight for you in that way rather than you always trying to be the one to fight and to prove those things? God is saying, I will take care of this. Your job is to be quiet, relax, and keep moving in the direction I already gave you. You see, that's what's so important is it's not just the being still and being quiet, but keep moving. That's where he says, tell the Israelites to move on. Because if you're trying to fight, what do you have to do? You have to stop where you're going, turn around, and you have to let go of the thing that God called you to do. See, this is where it gets tricky. Is Do you know why the enemy wants to try to goad us into fighting all the time? Is because he doesn't even need to win the fight. He just needs to get you to fight because then you've had to stop doing what God was asking you to do. So there's times where he doesn't even care if he wins the fight. If he just gets you to fight, he's already won. We can see this in the story of Nehemiah, and I'm, I'm going to try to go through this pretty fast, but Nehemiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he got given a job to rebuild the walls of Jericho. It was a very important job because if those walls didn't get rebuilt, Jericho could never be re-inhabited because they would be wide open for attacks. So he's rebuilding the walls, but there's people who didn't want him to do that. So they thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to try to threaten and scare you. So they kept sending him letters trying to threaten him and scare him to see if they can get him to come down off of the wall. And Nehemiah had the, the most perfect answer. He said, no, the job I'm doing is way too important. I'm not coming down off this wall to deal with whatever you're doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let someone else deal with that because what I'm doing right now is too important. And you have to understand that's still a tactic of the enemy is to try to just get you to fight. Because in order to fight, you have to let go of what God is calling you to do. If the Israelites would have turned to try to face the Egyptians, they couldn't have kept going in the direction that God was sending them in. That's why it's so important to be still, but move on. When you let God fight, it frees you to do what you know you are supposed to do. Because God fights different than us. How many of you, if you were an Israelite and you saw the Egyptians coming, would have said, here's how I think we should handle this. I think we should split the Red Sea in half. I think we should walk through. And then when the Egyptians follow us, we should let the water come down and kill them all. How many of you, that would have been your plan on fighting the Egyptians? We don't fight the way God fights. So that's where he's saying, you do your job. I already told you to go. So you just keep moving and trust that I have this. But if we don't trust God, we will always stop what we're doing and try to fight ourselves. And not only do we usually lose, but even if we win, we've lost because we've stopped doing what we know we're supposed to be doing, the path that God has put us on. When we try to fight, we get ourselves out of God's will. I'm going to bring you to a story where this played out. So this is the story of Peter when Jesus was arrested. Some of you guys might know this, but, but basically Jesus had spent the whole night 
trying to get his disciples to pray, and they just couldn't do it. They just kept falling asleep. Peter was one of them, just kept falling asleep, just, just could not do what they were asked to do. But then suddenly, when Jesus goes and, and is, is getting arrested, Peter decides that he's going to be the fighter here. So this is John chapter 18, and I'm going to read verses 6 and 7, and then verse 10. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So let me actually stop there and explain what's going on. So the men came in and they said, we're looking for Jesus. And when Jesus said, that's me, the Bible says that they actually all fell to the ground with that. So Peter is there and he has just seen that Jesus is well able to defend himself. Because as soon as he even just said, I'm Jesus, all of the guards fell to the ground. So it has been established that Jesus does not lack power, that he is very able to defend himself, and that if he needs to get away, he can. Okay, again he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Then jump down to verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Peter took on a fight that he was not asked to take on. And those of you who know that story know that he was scolded by Jesus. Jesus picked up the ear and actually healed the man because that man was not the real enemy. That man was actually fulfilling God's will for what was going to happen. But Peter is such a great example of God asks us to do something. We're like, nah, I don't really want to do that. It's like, pray, Peter, pray. Eh, I don't really want to do that. And then when it's time to fight, when God's like, I don't want you to fight, it's like, I got this, God, right? And we do this all the time. It's like, we can't do the obedience he asks us to, but when it's time to fight, we're just swinging. We don't even know what's going on. And it's amazing because this is such a great example of what it looks like in our life when we try to take on these fights that God has under control. Because what Jesus showed Peter is, I actually have all the power. I have way more power than you. And he gave Peter the opportunity to stay behind him. But Peter jumped out in front instead and started taking swings. Can you just imagine that? Jesus literally said, I am he, and everybody falls over. And then when they go to arrest him, Peter takes out a little sword. And again, when they say sword, it's like a dagger. And he's like, I got this. How ridiculous that looked. To Jesus, like, you God, what? Did you not just see what I'm capable of and see that this is not what you're supposed to be doing? And Peter literally swung himself right out of God's will. And you see that when you're focused on the fight, not only did he disobey God in the garden to pray, but then he denies Jesus right after that. It's like, Peter, can you pay attention to, to what you're supposed to be doing? But that's what happens when we, we try to take on these fights that are not ours to take on, is we get ourselves right out of God's will. We come down off of the wall and we're not ready for the things that we're supposed to do. But we also move out of the place of protection, right? Peter would have been behind Jesus. Jesus would have already shown him, I have the power to protect you in this. But Peter got out of his place to go fight. And that's why the enemy loves it when we fight. 
Because not only do we get ourselves out of God's will, but we actually get ourselves right out of the protection, the seat that he's placed us from. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You have to understand that you've been placed in a place of protection being a Christian and that the enemy is constantly trying to goat you into coming down from that place, to fight battles you are not supposed to fight, to start taking swings that you're not supposed to take. And you need to trust that God is fighting for you and stay in your seat of protection that you have been placed on and not be like Peter, who just sees a person, decides to start swinging and get out from behind Jesus because that's what Peter did. And, and here's the thing that, that we have to understand, and I think Peter is the perfect example, is when you try to fight battles that God said, this is not your battle to fight, I'm going to fight this, you end up hurting, excuse me, the wrong people. That man was not Peter's enemy. Jesus showed that. He, he healed his ear and said, this, this is not it. But when we get into the habit of Christians, as any time that we're attacked, we start swinging. We're going to protect ourselves. We'll show them. Oftentimes, the people you hit are the wrong people. I mean, even when we looked at the armor of God, we saw in Ephesians that we don't fight against even people. We fight against principalities and, and, and spiritual forces and things like that. But oftentimes, when we become people who just swing whenever we're attacked. We just start taking swings. Usually the people who get hit by that are the people who actually love us and care about us. Usually it's our, it's our friends and our spouses and things like that that end up taking the brunt of these swings because we just start swinging wildly. And this is what's so great about having God fight for us is that he has way better precision than we do. He fights the right battle. There's not casualties when we let God fight for us. When we start swinging, we're sloppy. We're Peter. We just kind of, whoever gets hit, gets hit. That is not the kind of fighting that God wants from us. And just as we close, I just, I think through, what is the peace that we forfeit trying to fight battles that we're not called to fight? What are the opportunities to witness to other people that we forfeit because we've taken swings at them rather than letting God work out what is going on? You know, I, I go back to the stories of the times that, that I've had rumors spoken about me, the times where I've had my motives questioned and, and things gossiped about me. And any time that I've let God fight for me, and I've chosen to just keep doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. It didn't happen right away, but I will tell you, the truth always came out. He always defended me, and I have zero regrets. I do not think back at any of those times and say, I wish I would have started swinging. I wish I would have started fighting those people. There's not a single time. Every time I'm like, I'm so glad I trusted God and just kept doing 
what I was supposed to do, and I'm so glad I gave him the space to fight those battles for me. And I believe the same is going to be true for each one of you. And sometimes the truth takes a while to come out. I'm not, I'm not here to promise or give you a time frame of if you let God fight for you within this many days, he's going to win. I, I can't give you that. But I can tell you that down the line, I have never seen anyone regret trusting God's promise to fight for them to keep doing what they know they're supposed to do and let God work it out and deal with it. And that's my challenge for you guys as, as we close is to believe this promise that God will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still and move on. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Don't let that attack get you to stop doing what you know God has called you to do in your life. And if you do that, I believe that you, just like the Israelites, will see the salvation of God. This is such a great promise. Because especially if you're going to be used for the kingdom of God, you are going to be attacked. That's just going to be part of it. And it's going to hurt and it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you trust that God's going to fight for you, you can keep moving. You can keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. And you can let God take care of the rest. And that is such a better way to handle being attacked. So if you guys will stand, I want to close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you fight for us. God, I thank you that, that we know that we don't, even, we don't even fight with people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We... There, there's, there's spiritual things going on that, that we don't even understand. And Lord, I just thank you that, that even when we are attacked, even when we see things closing in on us, Lord, even when we're hurting, we can trust you. We can trust that you are going to bat for us, Lord. I, I even think of, of, of just in the New Testament where, where Jesus is described as, as our lawyer saying, I will mediate for you. I will be the one to plead your case, that, that Lord, we, we trust that you are working for us. You're out in front of us, Lord. And God, let us, give us that trust to do our job, which is to be still and move on, to, be, to, to wait quietly while continuing to do what we know we're supposed to be doing. And Lord, that we, we can trust you to do the rest. Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here today that is in the midst of it right now, that's in the midst of, of being attacked in some way, or just really feeling tempted to take swings at somebody, to, to defend themselves, to, to, to show somebody else what it feels like to be attacked, I pray that even today you give them peace to trust you. Lord, that, that they, they would feel that, that, that faith Lord, that you will take up their cause and that they can rely on you. Lord, I, I pray that we are people who don't take swings, God, who don't get out of our seat, who don't come down off of the wall to try to fight with people. But God, that we are, we are people that advance your kingdom because we, we move on and we do what we know you've called us to do. Lord, I just pray that we trust your promises every day, that we truly live our lives knowing that you are faithful to fulfill your promises in our life.
We pray this in your name. Amen.